superstitious, but I am a little stitious. Barons win! Barons win! Only chance to stop 92 out of 95 shots, including a penalty shot in overtime. Somehow he still only wound up the third star of the game. You like that? Jansen has a heart. You're smoking crack! Get it going. It's World Hockey Report. Cody Jansen with you. Coming to you live on 12 Ounce Sports. We're presented by Lord Co. Auto Parts, the official auto parts retailer of Hockey Canada and Team Canada. If you're heading to the rink, Lord Co.'s going to ensure you've got everything you need for a smooth ride from bright white headlight replacement bulbs for increased visibility during early morning or late night commutes to battery maintainers. They're going to make sure your vehicle starts when the temperature drops. Visit Lord Co. Auto Parts location today for knowledgeable service, quality parts, and accessories. Visit lordco.com to find a store near you. It's a Tuesday and the NHL starts today. We got Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay at 5.30. If you're in Alberta, 8 o'clock, you got Vegas and Seattle. We'll break those all down with Adam Urbanchart in a minute. Still to come on the show, Victoria Mediash from ESPN is going to join us in about 20 minutes' time. Then in 40 minutes, Shukri writes from WMFOWBRS. Out East, we'll talk Bruins with Shukri. Gonna connect anytime at World Hockey RPT on Twitter. We're coming to you live from the Pro Rock Broadcast Studios in beautiful Alberta. Follow me on Twitter at Janet31 underscore on the show at World Hockey RPT. Let's snap it over to Saskatchewan now. Adam Urbantro joins the show. NHL season opening day, Pittsburgh, Tampa tonight. Who do you like? Is it is it as easy as going with the Tampa Vegas parlay here? Is that the easy money for us or what? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I really hate the opening night parlays. I mean, I've been on a bit of a cooler with the NFL lately, so there's usually the one team that screws you. And, you know, you think that you have Tennessee minus four and a half against the Jets, and then the Jets went out, right? So stuff like that can happen, but um, it's, it seems that easy. I mean, Tampa, like, are they raising the banner tomorrow? I'd assume so. Yeah, Tampa, I, I would assume so. Yeah, Tampa, banner, Vegas, you know, kind of last year they, they finished with fans, but I think it's a whole other thing this year. And yeah, it kind of feels like Christmas, right? You know, opening night um, last year, it was okay. Like we're watching a glorified scrimmage. You could call it for half those games last year. So yeah, really excited. Um, I probably would go with the, the Vegas Tampa parlay. I had a sick NFL parlay on Sunday and it was ruined because I threw one soccer game in there. That was Canada, Jamaica. I just wanted over half a goal in the game. It was, you know, zero, zero. minus 600. We got a zero, zero soccer game. What an idiot. So 60 bucks down the drain. Thought it was a good bet. Thought I was going to get rich. Thank you, Team Canada Soccer. All right. But for storylines tonight, Tampa Bay, three-peat starts right now. If you're them for Pittsburgh, their team sucks. They're depleted. I don't know. Tristan Jari's going to get peppered with shots. Like, talk about a true early test for him. Is there any other storylines you're looking at in this game, or am I making it out to be a very simple opening night? Seems pretty simple. I mean, I don't think Seattle's rink is ready yet. That's why I was kind of confused as to to why they're opening on the road in Vegas. But yeah, their their rink I don't think is is quite ready yet. But uh, yeah, Tampa. I mean, for Tampa, it seems like they've been on the classic bender all year long. I mean. Let's not forget with Tampa, I know everybody praises their scouting and stuff, but they lost their entire third line, right? Yanni Gord goes to Seattle, Blake Coleman and Calgary, and Barkley Goodrow to the Rangers. So they lost their entire third line. And, I mean, you could make the argument. You could say, okay, maybe Matthew Joseph or Ross Colton kind of steps in and steps up. But 
without those two or three guys, I mean, Tampa definitely doesn't win the first cap and probably doesn't win back to back. So those guys are huge pieces. Um, we'll see what happens, but it's, I mean, you could just look at the goalies and say Vashlevsky versus Tristan Jari and, and there's your answer for who you should pick. That's what I see in the later one as well with Robin Leonard, who clearly after this offseason has something to prove with how much he's run his mouth. I mean, he talks about how he's underpaid, how he's this and that. So, I mean, I think for him, there's a lot to prove in that later game. He'll be facing Grubauer likely in Seattle. But for Tampa Bay, you mentioned that they lose their third line, and that's huge. But I think that was kind of an expected thing, and that's kind of why they groomed some of those fourth-line players. Like, they got a lot of good young talent on that team, too. I mean, they're still sending guys like Daniel Walcott down to the minors. So, obviously, they're happy with where they're at. They had Corey Perry, who will probably put in 20. They still got Pat Maroon. They still got the best defenseman in Victor Hedman. They've got Kucherov, Points, Stamkos, Vasilevsky. Like, th this is a team where... Yes, are they going to be a step down from last year? Could they still win a cup? I, I think you'd be stupid to disagree with that. They're definitely going to be in contention this year. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree. I mean, Tyler Johnson, like I said it last week, I was like, you know, say what you want, overpaid or not, but he's Chicago's, like, in their top six right now, and he's still a pretty decent player. So they did lose, lose quite a bit. Um, and, you know, that team... They did go to Game 7 against the Islanders, and, you know, it wasn't just a cakewalk last year, but could they still win a cup? Yes. Are most people still pick them to win the cup? Yes. Um, did they go on a crazy bender that probably still was going on until last week? Yes. Um, but, I mean, they're still Tampa. They're still really good. They still have gotten guys to stay for a lot less than what they would get on the open market. So, yeah. Do you have any thoughts on Vegas, Seattle, or is this going to be a game where like the first five minutes is going to be electric. And then after that, you're like, yeah, I could probably just go to bed. Yeah. Like, I mean, all with all like with all due respect to Seattle, like I'm not, you know, waking up to, to watch Jordan Everly and Ryan Donato and Morgan geeky kind of run the show. Like I've, I've seen all those guys play and for Vegas, the atmosphere will be incredible. Of course. Um, It'll be interesting to see how how they they kind of mix up front. Uh, Nolan Patrick's there, Evgeny Dadnov's there, and we keep saying how weird that was. So it'll be interesting. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think Vegas should have that one pretty easily, and it's not like Seattle has like the the home crowd bump where they're opening up their season. They're they're on the road and and probably the toughest place to play in the NHL. Yeah, like Vegas easily has that extra juice behind them, just getting full barns after last year. I feel like they're motivated, although their team got worse. I mean, they should come out buzzing, and they should probably win it 4-1. I don't know, maybe 4-2. We'll be, we'll be generous there. All right, moving on, uh, biggest NHL news of the weekend, uh, Zabinijet, his new deal. Park, Barkov, too. We didn't get to that yet. No one cares about Barkov. Okay, you got okay, talk about Barkov. Go off for a minute. He got his, yeah. his big ticket. Eight he still doesn't want anything. Million, 70 million in signing bonuses, which kind of shows that Florida's starting to flex whatever financial muscle their owner has. Um, obviously, pretty simple. He could get uh, 12 million on the open market, but you know, one to stay in Florida, you get the taxes and all that. Um, yeah, obviously everybody, it's funny up in Toronto, all the Leafs sons go, well, Mitch Marner still makes more and Matthews and we're a joke and this and that, but obviously a hell of a player and for 10 million bucks you can sign. Like it, 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 Pierre Lebrun was saying, imagine if he got to July 1st or July 13th or whatever the free agent day is, There's, there would be 
15 or 20 teams trying to clear cap space to get them. Like just, it'd be insane. So, I mean, good for Florida. Like they're kind of the, the hype team this year. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. The hype team with the $10 million backup, all the pressures on Spencer Knight right now, because he's going to have to carry that team. If they want to win around that division's tough. I mean, let me tell you, if you're not number one or two in that division, Oof, you got a tough first round playoff opponent. That's how I see it, at least. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm off. But Florida better finish in the top two. And that means they're going to have to beat out teams like Tampa. That means they're going to have to get ahead of Toronto. Stuff like that, just so they get an easier first round matchup. Now, I got nothing on Barkov. He's a great player. It's a fine deal. He's sticking in Florida. I don't think anyone expected him to leave to begin with. Uh, moving over to Mika Zabinajad in New York. Clearly, they're out on Eichel. I think eight and a half is a little bit of an overpay, don't you? I mean, when I think of an eight and a half million dollar player, I'm thinking of someone who's changing games on almost a nightly basis. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like he's a number one center. He had a 41 goal season in the COVID shortened season. Last year, he wasn't even a point per game. He hasn't been a point per game more than once in his career. That's kind of his outlier year in the, the COVID shortened season, the, the nineteen twenty, And then, you know, other than that, he had a 74 point season and then 47, 37, 51, 46. And that's back with Ottawa. So I like, is he a number one center? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, it's not like, it's not like I, I go, yeah, he's definitely is like, you probably say the, the one B like, uh, I don't know, like, like he's in like the Yevgeny Kuznetsov mold or is he a true number one? Probably not, but is he good enough? Yeah. Like I, he's kind of a tweener. And I mean, I don't think he should be paid that much. You're not, I don't think you're going to win anything with him. And the Rangers fans are like, Oh, thank goodness. We got him instead of Jack. Eichel. no, Jack Eichel's a true number one center. He's a top 10 player in the league when healthy, but you know, you you're a million and a half less with the Savannah Jad and probably not as successful. I don't think. So when Flames fans see that deal, they're going, oh, now we know what Johnny's going to be asking for and stuff. No. I can't imagine. If you're going to pay Johnny Gaudreau $8.5 million, and people are worried about Jack Eichel's, what, $10 million salary? This is just yeah. the stupidest conversation ever. Like, spend the extra million, million and a half, and get a real game changer. I'm so... I, I can't imagine being an actual Flames fan that lives and dies with this team and thinking Johnny Gaudreau is a player you'd rather have over Jack Eichel. No, you should be throwing a fit that Brad Living's your GM and hasn't pulled the trigger yet because there's been so much smoke around Jack Eichel at Calgary. If he can't seal the deal, I don't think you want him as your GM, to be frank. This is something Here. that needs to happen for the Flames to actually change. I'll put it this way. I'd rather take a risk on Jack Eichel and his health at $10 million than pay Johnny Gaudreau $8 million on a good day. I think that's that's pretty fair to say. Um, but just on Zabenja, like, so he's at 8.5, uh, Panarin's at 11, Truba's at 8, Shosturkin's at, what, 6? So that, you, like, when you're looking, and Kreider's at 6.5, so as you start to look at it, Adam Fox needs an extension, Lafreniere would need, will need an extension. Capucac will need an extension. Like you, you kind of look and eventually you're like, shit, like we need to have 20, 25 million in cap space to get all our young guys signed. And like, we can't because we have, you know, 30 million and four guys who are good players, but are they game changers? Like Jacob Truman knows a banjo. Probably not. Like Panarin's the only one worth his, his true salary on there. And I mean, he's a, he's a winger. So 
it's their their cap situation is getting a little too messy for for my liking and i'm sure for some others as well well let's look three four years down the road adam fox is probably a nine million dollar defenseman based on the way people pay defensemen with points maybe maybe eight and a half something like that Capo Caco is probably a $5 million player if he can up his production. Lafreniere, probably six, seven, something around that range, maybe six and a half. So, how are they yeah. going to fit all this in plus build around? I don't know. But again, it's you the right. Dante Miller is going to be $5 million too. Yeah, he really could be. That's a guy who could pop off here too. And But I don't know. I mean, when you're a player like that, are you going to really buy in and take a team friendly discount on a team that has bad overpaid contracts already. I'm not convinced. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's a tough thing. Cause if you're the, the GM of the Rangers, Chris Drury, you're like, okay, like we have a pretty good player here. I mean, the fans would lose their minds if we lost him. you know, his replacements, Jack Heichel and Jack Heichel's, I, I guess we'll pay him. And it's, it's not like a surefire. Like if it was the top of the the absolute top of their priority, this would have been done when he was eligible on like whenever free agency started, like whenever they turned the page to the new season, he would have been done. But I think the Rangers are probably doing their due diligence on Eichel. They're probably seeing like even like a Barkov, if like a Barkov's out there next summer, like they're probably kind of debating like upgrading because they know that he's not, like the be all end all of like your, your top line centermen. So, you know, I, I think if they really wanted him, this would have been done, but I don't know. It's, it's an overpay for sure. Okay. It's, and, and since, I mean, you're not going to be on the Wednesday show, give me a prediction for Oilers Canucks here. I mean, Vancouver looked like hot garbage in their, in their last preseason game. So I'll go Oilers five, two. Also give me a prediction. Where do you think Pilon and Lind end up? Do you think any of them, you know, end up getting moved? Do you think they're going to the minors? Like, I, I, I haven't seen too many waiver claims. I think teams are still in that feel-out process. Do you think that they've got a chance to get back up into the big leagues this year? Yeah, I mean, I think, like, for for Garrett, I think he was pretty much Washington's last cut. Um, he definitely he can definitely play in the league. I think it's just, do you want him to play seven minutes a night on your fourth line? Probably not, so... I mean, go like he's good enough to play in a top nine. I think he showed that in the preseason. It's just kind of a numbers game, and and Nick Backstrom's hurt, and you know, I kind of just bad timing, I guess, for Cole. Like he, I don't know, he he got to camp a little late because of uh, some other stuff. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's tough for him. I thought he played pretty good in the games, but once again, you know, if you're you look at Seattle's forwards, they just got a bunch of middling forwards and guys who are on NHL contracts so for a new team you know you sent him down and you know it's it's not like he's gonna go get buried in the minors he's him and Garrett are both their first call up so there's that and then you know shout out to Lane Peterson you know making making the Sharks after getting traded for a fourth and then I mean we'll see Connor Ingram hopefully get a backup spot somewhere but if not then you know all those guys are just a call away and probably the the first on their GM speed dial Get him up to Edmonton. Get him up to Edmonton. That's what I'll say. Alrighty, Adam Urban Trout, my guest here. We'll talk about everyone. You guys already know him. Victoria, any issues coming up after the break? Sugar rights later on. Hey, we're not going to get to Olympic talk today, but everyone knows if you want the best sports travel tours is the go-to. They're going to the Spangler Cup this year. They got multiple packages to look at. Go check them out, sportstraveltours.com. It's World Hockey Report presented by Lord Co. Auto Parts. Back after the break with ESPN's Victoria Maddiesh. 
Travel Tours to bring you some incredible trips to watch hockey around the world. Sports Travel Tours has been creating hockey trips and tours since 1998. They've sent customers to the Winter Olympics, World Championships, every team in the NHL, as well as the KHL in Russia. And now, for the first time, they've been appointed official tour supplier to the Spangler Cup in Switzerland. As you all know, the Spangler Cup is the world's oldest invitational hockey tournament set in the stunning mountains of Davos. It's also the best way to spend the time in between Christmas and New Year's. So, cheer on Team Canada in Davos this year with Sports Travel Tours exclusive packages. For information and to book, go to sportstraveltours.com. That's sportstraveltours.com. And sign up to get exclusive discounts and trip priority. Another week of the NFL season means another shot to win big at the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. The last 0-0 tie in the NFL was in 1943, so I would say this is a big no-brainer. If the Sportsbook isn't in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Throw down $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code THPN. This week at the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com. Slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. What we do here is go back, 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 back. We've got NHL hockey. Just over five hours. What's going on? It's World Hockey Report presented by Lord Go Auto Parts. Visit Lord Co's in-store truck centers at select locations or visit them online at lordco.com. Let's snap it out east now. We join ESPN's Victoria Maddie Ash. Joining us on the show, Victoria, what's going on? Not much excited like the rest of the hockey world. We can't wait, can't wait for puck drop, counting down the hours just like you and really looking forward to it. Now, obviously, I would prefer to have Edmonton or Calgary playing on opening day, but uh, I guess for the Western Conference one, I'll settle for Seattle and Vegas. I am excited to see two of those new franchises go at. But one of the things I wanted to to have you on, obviously, I see you know you're still writing for ESPN and doing a lot of the fantasy stuff. Can you give me some tips? Uh, you know, if I if I've got a draft here coming up, maybe, or you know, I got to pick up someone off waiver wire. I know you had a recent article coming out on ten players who might have been overlooked. Who who are your dark horses this year for fantasy? Who should I be keeping an eye on? 
Wow. Well, I usually, when it comes to sleepers and dark horses and, and that type of player, I like to look at teams that are just not as conventionally obvious in terms of scoring. Like we all know what the top line for the Colorado Avalanche is capable of. Same with Boston and all the heavy hitters. But if you look at a team that's a little bit more conservative when it comes to scoring, like the Columbus Blue Jackets, they have a new top line with Voracek and Patrick Line playing together with Boone Jenner this year. They have looked great in preseason. They have looked exceptionally productive. I don't think the Columbus Blue Jackets are going to score a ton. They don't usually, but I think a lot of it's going to come from that top line. And I think a lot of people are going to skip over them. Maybe not Patrick Liney as much because we are expecting a bounce back campaign from him, but Borchek, Borchek for sure. And he is flying under the radar right now in the ESPN competition. So that I think is a great dark horse. Those are interesting ones. And so I've talked about Line A multiple times, and I think he's a player where you really wouldn't be surprised if he scored 12 goals this season, but he could also put in 42. And you'd be like, well, I'm, that's, I'm Patrick, leaning, that's Patrick Line. I'm leaning more towards the 42. I don't think he's going to score 12 this year. This whole, like, you know, the introduction to Columbus was just unpleasant all around last year. It didn't work with torts. I think there was a big hangover from the Winnipeg days. And now it's clean slate. New coach in Brad Larson, and he's got new line mates. He can settle in. He looks really happy. He is a goal scorer. So I, I know what you mean. I You don't know exactly what to expect, but I think it's going to be closer to 40 than it is to 10 for sure. That's fair. I'll take your Columbus Blue Jackets insight there. Victoria, I know you're out in Toronto, so I have to ask about the Leafs. Actually, first off, <laughs> did you watch the All or Nothing? I still haven't watched it yet. I, I haven't. I haven't. I have had a lot of preseason work to put together, and I've been saving it as a bit of a treat just for when I get my preseason stuff done and we get into the routine of the regular season. But I am looking forward to it. So I've heard good things mostly, but I haven't watched it myself. Okay, so we're the only two people in the hockey world who have yet to watch it yet. So I, I feel a little better about myself now but no I, I'm definitely I'm holding out till I'm like okay I really need to watch it I just want to hear a couple more stories to convince me to watch the Leafs other than that yeah it's uh I'd rather see them follow another team the Leafs get too much coverage to begin with hey what's your thoughts on the team though this year they get worse or they get better obviously losing Hyman sucks and then you kind of you, you swap around the goaltending a little bit now Mrazek might be one to push for a starter spot yes. what's your thoughts on their team well, I mean, you almost just summarized it for, for me already. I The loss of Hyman, I think, is significant. We're going to see how well that Nick Ritchie, you know, subs into that role. But that's that's asking a lot. Michael Bunting has been a really pleasant surprise this, this preseason. And it looks like he's going to get some top six minutes um, with the injuries now. And that's going to be very interesting. We'll see if he does actually slide alongside uh, John Tavares. That could be something to watch. I do like the goaltending a lot. I like to have the two players now, and I know we had a taste of that. I say we because I'm just in Toronto. I don't own the team, but it's just, that's the vernacular you end up using. But the, the Toronto Maple Leafs now have two very viable options in net that they can switch in, in and out. It does, if health's an issue, if injuries are an issue, somebody's not playing well is an issue because I don't completely trust Jack Campbell. And I know he's been great. There's just, there's something there. There's, there's a lack of icy ferocity that bugs me a bit. And now having Peter Mrazek waiting in the wings or even serving as a 1B to Campbell's 1A, which I think is going to be the situation, that I think is going to offer a lot of comfort. It's going to help the Leafs win a lot of games. This is a playoff-bound team. I don't think that there's going to be much issue there. I suppose it's not, you know a slam dunk, but I would be very surprised if the Leafs don't make the playoffs. The big question is, what do they do when they get there? That's going to be the, that's going to be the big question mark this season. Can they actually win around? Could they win two? 
I mean, it just seems outrageous in this town because it hasn't happened in forever. But it, the 82 games are the 82 games. I think already Blue and White Nation is already looking ahead to, to spring. Well, you, you bring up an interesting point with Mrazek. And so I'm going to ask you, you know, you're walking down the store and on the aisle, you know, on the left-hand side, you see Peter Mrazek. On the right-hand side, you see Freddie Anderson, both fully healthy. Right. Which one do you grab? Which one would you rather have, Mrazek or it, Anderson? In Toronto or anywhere? A- anywhere. Anywhere. Okay. Anywhere, I would rather have Freddie Anderson. I don't want Freddie Anderson in Toronto anymore. It it That relationship came to an end. It didn't come to a lovely end. And I know injuries played a part in his struggles last year and other things. But I think it takes some very special people to really withstand the spotlight in this in this town. It, there is too much attention. I agree with you. The media just focuses too much on this team. It's very reactionary. It's tough. This spotlight is very, very hot. And I don't think it suits everybody. It suits certain players, and they thrive in those situations, and others do not. And I think Freddie Anderson was done with it. I don't think he... He was always like that. I think he withstood the attention for a long time, but I think now it's over. And I think he's going to, I think he's going to do a bang up job in Carolina. He already looks great. And I think he's going to have a heck of a season, but right now I think we need somebody else. So I would pick Mrazic for Toronto, but in general, I would pick on the shelf for another team. I would pick Freddie Anderson. Does that make sense? I think that makes sense. 100%. No, that's that's Super. awesome. That's And I do agree. <laughs> I, I believe, you know, Anderson was well on his way out. He is more than happy to get down to Raleigh. But for Morassic, yeah. I think it's going to be an interesting fit. I know he's obviously a very hot or cold goaltender, especially with yes. his style. He's proven that before in critical moments. But also, he's got a quick temper. So we'll yes. see how uh, the media gets on him and how that will end up playing out. It is interesting. And Victoria, you also talked about covering prospects and stuff like this, and you're in Toronto, so I have to ask. It was a, it was a big topic on Twitter. We'll go with that. But Nick Robertson being sent down again. Now, this is a guy who a year and a half ago, if my math is right, they held him out of the World Juniors, said, no, you're right. too crucial to our Leafs roster. We don't want you playing in that tournament. And for a second year in a row, he's going to, you know, not start the season on the big club. What's your thoughts with how they're using him right there? Have they held him back from, you know, excelling? I think this club, this organization, I should say, is much better at developing players than they have been historically. And I'm going to leave that to them. If the organization as a whole, there's a lot of smart people working there. And if the organization as a whole thinks that he does need more time, he needs to mature a little bit more, I will buy that. And the other part of it is who comes out. If you didn't send him down, then who, who, then who does leave, right? It's, there's already tough roster decisions to make with every team. And this is an obvious one that you can make without getting burned. And I think a little bit more time to develop is certainly not going to hurt him. For sure. I just feel like their deployment of him, if, you know, development was a thing, I have a hard time believing that a year ago they thought he was more NHL ready than, right. you know, a couple of It is a little ago. surprising. I agree with you. It is a little surprising, yes. But again, we're not NHL GMs. And I want to ask you about one who uh, might be on the hot seat, Victoria Matty-Ash from ESPN, my guest here on World Hockey Report. If the Leafs don't win a playoff round, is Kyle Dubas done? Uh, that's such a tough one. <laughs> That's such a tough one because it does. Uh, I mean, the easy and quick answer is yes, because they have to do something, right? How many, you know, how many strings of, of lack of success can you have before you don't make a significant change? But I also, I think it might also depend on if they do lose, how they lose, right? So, I mean, they're swept. 
four games by Boston, then I think it's it, it's going to be obvious. But if at the time, I, I'm not sure. I, I'm giving you a terrible, terrible, terrible answer on this. But, I mean, it all depends on what the situation is. If we're in April and both starting netminders are hurt and somebody's up from the Marlies playing – you can make excuses for that. So it's going to depend on where the team is at, how fit they are, how healthy they are. But I'd still say, yeah, you know what? Like losing the, the first round once more is unacceptable. I think the entire city feels that way. I think MLSE feels that way. So something major is going to happen and, and it, it might be dubious. So in we'll a see. sense, in a sense, do you think this is not their last year at a cup run, but their last serious year at a cup run where I don't see Morgan Riley re-signing. I don't that's know. That's the only one though. That's but he's the only one that we have to worry about in the meanwhile. The top four core is there for a while. Uh, if they don't move Tavares Nylander, Matthews, Marner, and I don't see that happening anytime soon. It would only be Nylander anyways at this stage. But that top that 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 four, that core is going to be around for a while. So no, not really. Uh, Morgan Riley is going to be a huge loss. I don't know how they crunch the numbers to make that work. I mean, even if it takes a little bit of a discount to stay here, he's not taking a massive one, and he can command a lot more money than the Leafs are going to be able to fit under the cap as it stands. He'll be a loss, but I think generally, other than that they're still going to be constructed very much as they are right now for a little while. So I don't think it's their last run at a cup per se, but they really, really need to win a playoff round. Even if it's one, that's not quite enough either, but at least that's progress. They really need to win a playoff round. I think it's pretty much, it's not even a conversation at this point. I think if they don't win a playoff round or they don't move any of their big four up front, then they're just going to continue to set themselves up for failure because you can't replace you know, Morgan Riley overnight. You can't replace him in the draft in a couple of years. That's why I say this is probably the year to go all in, if not. But again, who's taking right. on a John Tavares contract mid-season? No one's no right. one's making those big moves in season. So they gotta find some way to be creative. And that's what it comes and down Tava- to. And Tavares isn't going anywhere. Tavares is not going anywhere. If anybody, if I see anybody of the of the, the top four going anywhere, it would be Nylander. As it stands yeah. right now. I mean, obviously things can change. I, if Rasmus Sundin takes that other big step forward this year, I think that's going to help a bunch. And he's at that point right now so but yes the the loss of riley will be significant but i'm always surprised when you think something's dead in the water and then management moves this these pieces around and they make something happen and sometimes you catch lightning in a bottle too so we'll see i i'd like their chances to go far this year so we'll have to see but yes the play the playoff round has to be one Time will tell. And okay, so I only got you for a few more minutes, but I do have to ask about the other Ontario teams because, you know, we can't leave them out. But what's going on in Ottawa? I mean, are you hearing anything on your front with Brady Kachuk? Obviously, it's kind of just a mess at this point. Maybe just trade him to Calgary. That'll be fine. But, uh, you know, what's what's, what's you hearing from Sens Nation? I think one could check per team. It's just plenty. Thanks. <laughs> that would be tough. That would be tough to play against. That would be very interesting. And I think you'll probably, I think there's a good chance we'll see it in our lifetime or I should say in their playing career. We'll see it on the Olympics um, with team USA this year. They better take both. Or I'll be mad. I think there's a very good shot at that. It's um, I don't know what's going on there and it's, it's annoying every year. Could we just not ever start a hockey season without any holdouts and we have to wait? And as a fantasy writer, it's really annoying because now I have to take that into consideration whenever I write, okay, maybe he's going to be back next week. This was supposed to be signed and sorted out weeks ago. That's what we were promised. And it doesn't sound like it's anywhere near that. 
Pierre Dorian, like was two, three weeks ago. This is done. Don't worry about it. Nothing, nothing to see here. Nothing to talk about. And for some reason, it still isn't sorted out. And it's just such an Ottawa thing. And I feel sorry for the fans because I think they have some good young talent coming up. And now losing Colin White's injury, that's a, that's a big deal. And your best player, your leader, the heartbeat of your team doesn't want to put pen to paper for whatever reason. And well, I mean, obviously money term, et cetera, but it's, uh, it's frustrating. And I feel sorry for, for Ottawa senators fans because you're just asking them year after year, after year, after year with that, the ownership being what it is to just stay patient and buy back in. And they're not making it very easy for their fans. I'll put it that way. Never have, never will. I no. don't see that happening in Ottawa anytime soon. Hey, is Montreal done? Like, I mean, this is a team that went on a cup. <laughs> I mean, they went on a cup run, and, and frankly, this year, no, I, I don't think Montreal's done. Um, I I think they have a good shot at missing the playoffs, but that's I think a testament to the division more than it is a knock against them. Losing Carey Price for a period of time hurts. It's necessary, and he's doing what he needs to do, and I applaud him for it, and I hope he gets better. But losing him as one of the league's better goaltenders is going to hurt. Jake Allen's got to step, step it up big time. I do like some of the moves they made. I think the Christian uh, Dvorak acquisition from um, Arizona is big. I like him fitting in on that second line as a center with uh, a now healthy Jonathan Drouin, which is big, and uh, Josh Anderson. I think they're going to be very competitive. I just If you have to pick... The team's coming out of the Atlantic. Who is on the outside looking in? And it has to be somebody, right? So that's my, is it Boston? I mean, okay, we can, Detroit, Buffalo, uh, barring any miraculous surprises, it can kind of shuffle them off to the side. But then Florida, Tampa, Boston, like who's so, Toronto, there's four, right? So it's, uh, it's tough. But we get surprises every year, and nobody expected them to go on their playoff run either, and they just showed all of us. So it's a, it, that's why this time of year is so exciting, because everybody has a shot, really. I mean, I know a handful of teams don't really, but most, most teams have a shot. And Montreal, I don't know. You, can, you cannot rule them out. They've got a lot of talent. So we'll see. So you're not afraid to make predictions here, and I know you're a little bit of a Leafs homer, but you know what? Who's going to go? I'm uh, not in my professional sense. Who's not in my professional sense? Who's going to go past the first round this year? Toronto or Florida? One of them has to, right? Florida. I have I have Florida going to the Stanley Cup final. Oh, okay. That's way too bold. Then that's crazy talk. Because Bobrovsky, there's no chance he can go that far. And who said anything about Bobrovsky? I was going to say, and a rookie goal. You didn't let me finish. Spencer Knight. I was going to take my jab at Spencer Knight. He's not there yet. He's going to be good. And I hope he's on the Olympic team too. That's that's my hot take. I think Spencer Knight's better than Thatcher Demko. But you think he could carry him to the Cup final? I don't think he needs to carry them. I just think he has to play well. And I really like how that team is constructed. And we actually, I just finished wrapping up a round table with ESPN today. And uh, so that should be, you can read that tomorrow. And that's where I discuss the, uh, my Stanley cup predictions. And they asked me to answer those questions. And so I do it's uh, I like I like Florida a lot. I like them going all the way and I have them playing Colorado in the final. So I thought you were going to yep. say the Oilers. I thought you were going to throw us one. Say maybe the Oilers <laughs> go on a run. I like the Oilers. I like the Oilers. I think Puliyarvi is going to have a heck of a season. Yeah, I, like I saw you. I saw he was on your uh, fantasy things. Where Where do you see Zach Hyman? Where did a lot of people pick him up? Because I feel like he, this yep. is a guy who everyone's talking Olympic team. Maybe could he go if he plays with McDavid for a full season? He's going to have and he should. Points. 
like it's, it, but he should, that's the way that they have it together right now. And, um, it, it's, it's, it's just nice to finally see McDavid surrounded other than playing with dry sidle, which is obvious, but you don't want to do that. Not if it can be helped and have him have like this complimentary players alongside him. So he can be the best he can be. And I think he's finally, I mean, the Zach cash and era needed to end a long time ago. And it's true though. And now he has, he has he's playing with two bigger bodies. Um, both who can score, but Hyman is, I, I mean, his specialty is just creating space for the players like David. And if, from a fantasy viewpoint, I think Hyman is going to have the best campaign of his career. He's not going to score 80 points, but he's going to be up there just because of the company he's keeping on the ice. So, yes, in, in deeper leagues, I would absolutely add Zach Hyman, but I like Pugliarvi a lot. So do you like Colorado because they got rid of Grubauer and added Darcy Kemper? What's What do you think moves the needle there? Just age and experience? I think the Colorado Avalanche is, this year's Colorado Avalanche is pretty much last year's Colorado Avalanche, but hopefully with a more inspired Nazem Kadri. So that team changed very little, but they're coming from it, if it ain't broke, why fix it view, right? I think changing in one goaltender, those are two very good goaltenders. They lost Grubauer because of the expansion team. And Darcy Camper has held his own with a not good Coyotes team for a long time. And now he actually gets to play with a squad that can score on a regular basis and win games. So I do. I do. They don't have any weaknesses. Maybe a little bit of size on the blue line, but that's an easy addition at the trade deadline. That's easy. You can bring in a little bit of a physical body because as we've seen, especially recently, to have a successful playoff run, you you do need that size, especially on the back end. So, but that's an easy fix. That's a very easy fix later on in the season. So, yeah, I like them. I like them going. And they, it has to happen at some point. They're just, they're too good. And I know that's not the way sports work. Logic doesn't always come to play, but I can't, uh, I'm stubbornly, stubbornly holding on to that. Victoria, I could ask you a million more questions, but if we go any longer, my producer is going to slap me upside the head. So thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time. I really do. I, I, I could do this all day long. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. World Hockey Report is partnering with Sports Travel Tours to bring you some incredible trips to watch hockey around the world. Sports Travel Tours has been creating hockey trips and tours since 1998. They've sent customers to the Winter Olympics, World Championships, every team in the NHL, as well as the KHL in Russia. And now, for the first time, they've been appointed official tour supplier to the Spangler Cup in Switzerland. As you all know, the Spangler Cup is the world's oldest invitational hockey tournament set in the stunning mountains of Davos. It's also the best way to spend the time in between Christmas and New Year's. So, cheer on Team Canada in Davos this year with Sports Travel Tours exclusive packages. For information and to book, go to sportstraveltours.com. That's sportstraveltours.com. And sign up to get exclusive discounts and trip priority. What we do here is go back, 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 back.
Let's get it rolling. Chuck rewrites here to close out the show. It's World Hockey, your part by Lord Co. Auto Parts. Find a store near you at lordco.com. Cody Jansen with you. Find me on Twitter at janner31 underscore. Let's swing over to the East Coast now. We'll talk some Bruins. It's national radio host Shukri Wright joining us on the Quack Stats Hotlines. Shukri, what's going on? How excited are you? We got NHL season, regular season hockey happening this week. Hey, how's it going, Cody? I'm fired up, honestly. I mean, listen, we're a couple of days away from the start of the NHL season that will be on Tuesday and I'm excited it's going to be a great doubleheader opening night on ESPN here in the States with uh, with uh, Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay then the nightcap Seattle practice playing its first NHL game in its existence against the Las Vegas Golden Knights another heavily favored team that could potentially make it out of the West to go to the Seneca Finals this season so there's a lot of trustworthy hockey headlines. I'm excited for the Bruins. I'm excited for the NHL season coming up. Bold prediction to start. Shukri writes my guest here on World Hockey Report. Now, I know you're a bees guy. You always bring the energy, especially when they're in the playoffs. Your Twitter blew up last year. Let's not be humble about this here. You're huge on there now. But Shukri, let's talk about these bees. They had to replace Tuka Rask. Obviously, the biggest part, maybe they'll get him back later on. Give me your breakdown of Linus Allmark so far. What's your thoughts on him? Well, it's preseason, and I try not to, like, overreact when it comes to Linus Olmark. So, based on what I've seen, it's been very much, very, very pedestrian. And that's probably the nicest way that I could put it. Now, I was at a couple of games last week, and and I was and I was saying to myself, and I was saying on Twitter that if you are Bruins, then I think you should be a little concerned. And I know we, we shouldn't be putting stock into preseason wins and loss results. But it's just the way that Omar that has me the most concerned. Now, with that being said, the loss of Tukaraz is is huge. And if you are a person who did not appreciate Tukaraz before, who hated on him for even for the most trivial of reasons, you are absolutely going to be in for a rude awakening. And I just think that it is going to be uh, it's going to be very interesting with these first three and a half, four months of the season in which that Olmark looks like he's going to be the guy, and I hate that because of his salary, but Freeman has looked like he has been the better goaltender. And if the Bruins get up to a poor start because because of the performance in that by Olmark, there's going to be a lot of angry Bruins fans in this city of Boston and across New England that are going to be really upset and going to be saying, where's Swayman? Why isn't Swayman starting? And I think that the Bruins, if they're going to be putting themselves, interestingly enough, in a, in a little bit of a pickle with Omar. And people have said, well, Omar's a really good goaltender, but here's the reality. He's not playing in Buffalo. You're playing in Boston, in which that the scrutiny that, the scrutiny that comes along with being a starting goaltender in this city for the Boston Bruins, for the Renaissance franchise in the market, where hockey is absolutely huge, is everything. So that's going to be interesting to see how does Olmark perform in the early phases of the season that's going to determine where the Bruins are going to be come mid-season, let's say January, for example. Do you think they're also sheltering Swayman a little bit just because that decor is a little depleted? I mean, let's be real here. Forbert's not a top-pairing defenseman on too many NHL teams. Charlie McAvoy's an absolute stud in his next deal. He's going to get paid. But this decor is weaker yeah. than it's been in the past 10 years. 
And that could be it. You know what's interesting is that I still don't like the blue line outside of Charlie McAvoy. McAvoy, I expect he's going to get paid $10 million per. And that's saying a lot considering, <clears throat> pardon me, that when you look at the deals of some of the, the defensemen got most recently, you talk about Seth Jones, $9.5 million. You talk about Kale McCarr, um, not $9 million, um, and, and so forth. McAvoy, in my opinion, is better than both is better than both of those defensemen, and that's no slap in the face to to McCarr or Jones either. Both are very talented defensemen. McCarr absolutely is a stud. I've known about him since his days when he played his college hockey at UMass Amherst. So when you talk about the next defenseman that's gonna get paid big time money in the NHL, I think it's gonna be McAvoy. I would be pleasantly surprised if he decided to take a little less um, in, ter- in terms of a, of a team-friendly deal. Like, uh, I said, like, I think it's paid about $8 million or whatnot. But I expect it to, to break a $10 million average annual contract for, uh, for, for the Bruins, considering the talent that he has and as well as uh, his value to the Boston Bruins. Now, as far as whether I think they're sheltering Swayman, that could be it because, as, we, as I just mentioned, McAvoy is the stuff, but outside of, outside of that, it's a concern. Rizlik is an offensive defense in which that I look at him and I say, this is not a shutdown top defense. This is not a, a defense you put on, on a top pair with, with McAvoy. And as well as Derek Forbord, um, but like the, after that, I think the next best defenseman is Brandon Carlo. That can, that can, that's more of a shutdown type of defenseman. Also can contribute offensively as well. So I think part of it is the Bruins could potentially be trying to shield and protect Swayman, but I also do think that Swayman is not the guy that needs to be protected. The Bruins need to protect themselves from themselves. I want to go back to those Charlie McAvoy comments, and I know we've been hopping around here a little bit, but that's a bold take out of you. You think he's a $10 million defenseman, and I mean, I want to compare him to the guys you mentioned in Seth Jones and Kale McCarr, because mm-hmm. I don't think that his offense is better than Kale McCarr. It's definitely not better than McCarr's. And his defense and his, you know, kind of just his whole defensive on-ice presence is less than Seth Jones. Look at what Jones did in Columbus on a terrible defense. Good system. But again, he's still playing 60 minutes in playoffs. I don't know if I could ever see Charlie McAvoy doing that. So I don't know how he'd be valued more. I think he, I think he could be potentially valued more. And here's the thing that people got to remember: McAvoy's turning 24, and he's already been in the league for four years. And McAvoy's game is going to grow even more. If you're thinking that we based on what we saw last season, this is going to be the best that we that we that we'll see of McAvoy. I think that I think hockey fans are going to be in in for a very special awakening because he's still growing, and we all know that defense can take time to, to grow and develop. But McAvoy is so darn special that, okay, you may mention about his offensive side of the game not being better than Kale McCarr. I'll give you that for right now, but give it another year or two because he really is becoming a Drew, a Drew Daddy top de- um, defensive He He's very involved on the, in the first power play. He's very involved um, offensively, you know, joining the rush. And I do think that defensively that he really is – and he really could potentially be better than, than Seth Jones. Is he better than Seth Jones going into this season? Uh, that's, uh, that's debatable, sure. 
But at the end of this upcoming regular season, do I think he'll be potentially better than Kim McCaw and Seth Jones? The honest answer is yes. Fair enough. Hey, everyone's allowed an opinion. I would say he's a lot closer to Quinn Hughes. I would say he's a lot closer to a six, seven-year deal at about $7.5 million. But again, I guess we're not GMs yet. Maybe maybe they'll make us GMs eventually, Shukri. Eh? Hey, let's talk about that uh, forward group now. Obviously, your second line's where it hits you the most in Boston. You still got Taylor Hall on there. Likely, Coyle's probably going to be playing up there with them. But again... Is yeah. forward depth going to be one of their bigger concerns going into the season? Because we all know that top line can score. But what's going to happen down the lineup? Sure, they're tough. That doesn't put points on the board. Oh, absolutely. And you know what's interesting? Um, I had the chance to watch that, that second line a lot last week. And I really like the chemistry that they're building between Coyle at center and as you mentioned, Taylor Hall on the left wing side and Craig Smith being on the right wing side. I, I really like it a lot. But the bottom six, I get that they brought, they brought in Tomas Noshek, Eric Hall as well, to, to help show up that, that third and fourth line, respectively. I am concerned the most when it comes to where is, where is the offense going to come from on that second line. Sean Corrali is gone. He was a mainstay on that fourth line for, for the last few seasons. And I think that the Bruins are going to have some decisions to make in terms of how are they going to line up their uh, the, the third and fourth line on a nightly basis to be able to generate that secondary scoring? Because the reality is that I look at the Boston Bruins right now, and now that we're going back to the, to the division alignment that was pre-pandemic, you're going to have teams like Toronto, Montreal, Tampa Bay, Washington, Pittsburgh, uh, especially like the, the other teams in the East, like the Islanders and the Rangers, for example that are going to be fighting for those playoff spots. And I do think that if the Bruins are going to make the playoffs again, especially make a, go on another, um, on another deep playoff run, they hope and so, especially in what could be between Bergeron's final season uh, as a member of the Boston Bruins, they have to get secondary scoring. That's going to be absolutely imperative to improve in an area that has plagued them in the playoffs in the last three full seasons. So everyone talks about Pasternak's goal-scoring ability, and there's no denying that he's not a phenomenal offensive talent, but Brad Marchand had 10, nine more goals than him last season, I want to say, something like that. What do you think Marchand lands at this year? I mean, it just seems like his offensive ability keeps improving despite his age going up as well. And it's amazing to watch because if you you ask me, let's say, back in 2013-14, if I see Brad Marshall becoming one of the top five left-wingers in all of hockey, I would have told you no. But this is the reality of we're seeing Marshall grow both as a player but as well as a leader in that locker room. And that has a lot to do with the environment that he's in. Now, as far as his offense is concerned, we're now back to playing an 82-game regular season. That matters. The last two, the last two years, the last two seasons, rather, have been, have been shortened because of the pandemic. You obviously, 2019 and 2020, um, as well as uh, last season, only playing 56 games. And in an 82-game season, it, don't be surprised to see Marshawn score 40 goals. He scored 39 already in a season. That's already happened before. So I think it's very, very fair to say that this is a guy that can score you 40 goals, if not more than the coming season. 
So I was going to ask about the Atlantic division as a whole, but I've got way more Bruins questions for you. So we're sticking with it here. Shooker rates my guest on World Hockey Board, Cody Jansen with you. Now, you, you talk about Bergeron, and he is. He's he's coming down the wire. He's on the back nine. I think he's 36 years old. You said you think it might be his last season. Now, do you think he's got a preferred destination for a next stop, or wh- where do you see his future really ending up? I think... I think that it could be, but I hope that it isn't. But as we know, that in sports, everything has to come to an end. And the reality is that Bird's not going to play forever. Is it possible that he could go elsewhere? Yes. You can't say um, that, oh, no, he's, he's a Bruin forever and that, he, that there's no way that he plays anywhere else. And I'm saying this because you've seen this time and time in sports, across sports, that legends and athletes leave where they have made their name. And hockey, we've seen that in the last, in, in, in the last, uh, in the last season in particular, especially with the Dano Char. Like, Char wanted to keep playing, Bruins manager wanted to go in the younger direction, and that, and, and that here we are, Char is about to start um, a whole new season with the New York Honors, the second organization in his main season, after leaving Boston, which he was here for 15 years. So I do think that if, if you're going to look at the situation with Virgin One and I say, listen, the contract situation, he's not going to talk about it until after the season. If he's focused on this season and this season only. He's not worried about contract. But, however, we're all talking about the best two-way player right now in the league, offensively, defensively, and that this guy, I wholeheartedly believe he got robbed of another um, of another Selkie Award, although they went to Alexander Barkov with the Florida Panthers last season. Congratulations to him. But, however, I do think that Bergeron, yes, despite his age, he's still the preeminent 200-foot player in the league. He's still good. I don't think he's on Barkov's level anymore. But again, it's it's tough to be on Barkov's level. He's a top 10 player in the league. He's an incredible talent. Now, now, Shukri, I'm going to ask you to take your media hat off for a second. Put your fan hat on. Are you a little pissed off at Zdeno Chara that he's still in the league and he's not with the Bruins anymore? Like, I get it. He started with the Islanders, whatever. Cry me a River Isles fans. I don't think it's right that he's you know on the island. I think he should be a Bruin. He should be finishing up his career there. Am I wrong? I don't think you're wrong. Um, like, I am disappointed, but not pissed off. But I understood the decision why. But the reality is this. Like, Charles, what he did here in Boston for 15 years was incredible. The leader that he became, and especially, obviously, winning the Stanley Cup and being one of the major reasons why the Bruins won the Stanley Cup in 2011. Um, but, however, I look at the Charles situation and I say... Could they have dealt, maybe like dealt with it a little differently? Yes, no question. But I also do believe that if you are, if, if you are Bruins, I don't think you should be pissed off anymore that he's no longer a Bruin. I mean, I thank him for the, for the memories and everything that he's done for the city. But however, I, I look at it and I say, I get it. He wants to continue to play, but the but the Bruins were not prepared for him to, to continue to play with with the with the blue line um, core and wish that they're turning younger. But here's what's funny, though. I go back to last spring's Stanley Cup playoffs, and I, and I said at one point that, you know what? They really could have used a guy like Chara on that blue line, considering that he was still averaging close to 19 minutes um, per game. 
Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I, I I'm not exactly sure the the method to the madness. I guess you can say that if you're happy with Clifton and Zaboral, those guys as your six, seven, eight D man, then sure, I guess that's what it is. But clearly, you're not going for a long playoff run. Then when you need a leader, you need someone who's been there. You need someone who can settle the troops when things get a little muddy outside. I don't know. That's my opinion oh, on Char, and I really do think he's one of the best leaders ever to play in the NHL. I'll stick my neck out on that one. Hey, I got to ask you, though. I, I mean, I got to get your Atlantic predictions here. Who, who are the top three teams? Who's getting it automatically? And where do you think you see the Bruins at the end of the season? Um, I really do see that the Bruins are going to be one of the wild card teams, one of the two teams. Um, but the top three teams in the Atlantic this this upcoming season, I think it's going to be, whew, wow, I think it's going to be um, Toronto. I think it's going to be Montreal. And the third team, I do think that potent, that could potentially make some that make some noise is um, at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, I I still believe they are going to be a, 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 a still going to be a very dangerous team. I think that even with the loss of, of, of based on practice of an entire line, most notably uh, Blake Coleman, uh, you bring in a guy like Corey Perry and wish that this guy could still average you like 20 goals a season, this is still a very dangerous team in, in, the, uh, in the Atlantic division. I think that, that they are st- they still got the best uh, the, the best goal scorer right now in, in, in the Eastern Conference, arguably Santos, and as well as the best defenseman on the planet right now in Victor Hedman. And as well as the best goaltender right now in the league, and, and Andre Vasilevsky, this kind of a team, I, I think it's going to be one of the top three teams in, in the division, if not an entire league. Yeah, a three-peat is definitely very possible. Okay, I got one last one, so I lied to you. Hey, who's the most overrated team in the NHL this year? Who's one team who you're sick of hearing about because you know that they're going to be trash? Ooh, I got to go Pittsburgh. I, I, I got. I gotta go. I gotta go with the Penguins because let, let's, there's something about this Penguins thing that genuinely does worry me. Like I, I, I get that Crosby is gonna he's gonna be missing time to start the season. Noah Kenny Malkin as well, and like I do wonder what what, what is going to be uh, the, the production level in terms of the goaltending, especially from Tristan Jerry um, and, and, and whatnot, and. I just wonder, like, why do we still hear Chris Wick as being one of the one of the legitimate contenders in a league where this team is getting older, the core is getting older, the is most notably getting older as well. And I just wonder that at what point are we going to see the beginning of a precipitous fall with the Pittsburgh Penguins? I think this is the season. I think they're all related. Yes, sir. Hard to hard to disagree with you there. Shukri, man, I appreciate you taking the time. Always a pleasure getting to chat hockey with you. Absolutely. My pleasure, Cody. Thank you so much, bud. Shukri right there on World Hockey Report. We're presented by Lord Co. Auto Parts. That's going to do it for us on this Tuesday. We're back here tomorrow, same time, same place. Everyone, be kind, be better.